you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Before we get started, I just want you to know that this message, you are the one that I am talking to tonight. And so I pray, I'm praying that the word that the Lord has laid on my heart will do a perfect work in every life that is in this place. It is a great honor to be able to come to you tonight to talk on the subject of raising biblically and spiritually literate children. Let me start one more time. Sorry about that. I have to be on the right page. (laughs) It is an honor of mine to be able to come to you to teach on the subject raising biblically and spiritually literate children. There is a biblical literacy crisis in the church Studies show that one in five churchgoers say that they never read their Bibles. And if they do, they only read it occasionally. Because of this, there is also a spiritual literacy crisis. You see, you cannot be spiritually literate without being biblically literate. This is why biblical literacy is vital to every man, every woman, every young person, and every child of God. Raising biblically literate children must be the priority of every grandparent and every parent. Raising biblically and spiritually literate children does not happen by osmosis. You will not wake up one day to children who are powerful in Christ while you were subconsciously going through the motions with no plan for their spiritual development. There must be an intentional plan of action from involved parents and grandparents who are committed to spending their lifetime raising biblically and spiritually literate children. I believe that there are five irrefutable, powerful components that can be implemented that, if done with consistency, will produce biblically and spiritually literate children. And those five components are the power 
of intentionality, the power of atmosphere, the power of identity, the power of affirmation, and the power of positioning. In mathematics, there is a term that is called the fifth power. The fifth power of a number is the result of that number being multiplied by itself five times. So a small, seemingly insignificant number, when applying the fifth power equation, can become a large, significant number. By applying these five powers, you will be applying an equation that is transformative to a child and turns them into powerful forces that will impact their world. I want our children to be powerful forces for the Lord that will impact their world. Let's talk about the power of intentionality. Intentionality is simply this, living on purpose. I would propose to you today that the biblical and spiritual literacy of your children is driven by your intentionality. You need an intentional, strategic plan for raising your children. God has a divine plan and purpose for your child. They are called and they are chosen. They were born for this time. They are commissioned to go. They were created to be world changers. Miracles, signs, and wonders are preordained to follow them. These are foundational biblical truths for every Holy Ghost-filled believer. And I would remind someone today that when a child receives the gift of the Holy Ghost, they do not receive the Holy Ghost Junior, but they receive the exact same Holy Ghost that we as adults receive. Consistency is one of the most essential and productive strategies for effective parenting. Consistency means that once you purposefully choose how you are going to engage with and respond to your child, you do not vary from that over an extended period of time. Consistency takes time and it takes energy. It takes focus and it takes determination. It takes a stick with it attitude when it would be a lot easier to just let things slide. It is up to a parent to keep a child pointed in the right direction. You see, a child is not mature enough to choose their path in life, even if our culture is trying to tell us differently. They are not mature enough. It, they have not had life experiences that teach them what is right and what is wrong. But it is a parent's responsibility to point them in the right direction. Parenting a biblically and spiritually literate child 
puts you, the parent, in the biblical category of a mighty man. Psalms 127 and 4 says, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of thy youth. You see, everything to do with archery is intentional and it is precise. There is a particular stance that an archer will take. They keep the target in view. They are focused and they're not distracted. They wait for the right moment to release the arrow. They will try again and again until they hit the mark with ease. Archers will aim at what appears to be impossible lengths. A true archer will master their art until the arrow becomes precise in their hands. Everything to do with raising biblically and spiritually literate children has to do with intentional precision. They are arrows in your hand. There is a biblical stance for every parent to take. You must position them with a clear view of the target in mind. What is that target? The target is that you, the parent, are raising men and women of God. They will be future heads of households. Your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren are counting on your precision. You must guard against distraction. You must stay focused. It is your job to train and to develop your children in the deeper things of God. And then the day will come when you will release them. And because of your intentional precision and your strategic plan and with the hand of God, they will hit the mark that you are aiming them. I don't know about you, but I want to aim our children in the right direction to fulfill the purpose and the plan of God for their lives. Let's talk about the power of atmosphere. It is the responsibility of a parent to create an atmosphere in their home that is conducive to raising biblically and spiritually literate children. A home that is enveloped in chaos and in fighting and in criticism, in negativity, in conflict, that doesn't value the things of God will produce children who, without the intervention of God, will reproduce the same thing. However, a home that is safe, filled with peace and tranquility, that is full of love and laughter, where parents speak words of affirmation and encouragement, is an incubator for children who are well-adjusted and feel like they can conquer the world. Now add to that a home that is saturated in prayer, a home whose walls, if they could speak, 
would tell of the presence of God that resides there. Where parents teach their children by example that the kingdom of God comes first. A true Joshua 24 house. Now you're talking about an atmosphere that will serve as a catalyst for children to become powerful men and women of God. An atmosphere of this sort does not just happen, but it is intentional. Shouldn't the atmosphere of our homes reflect that the things that are good and the things that are true and the things that are honest and the things that are moral and the things that are lovely and pure and of a good report, that those are the things that our homes focus on. Years ago, we used to do house-to-house -house prayer. And when you would go into a home, you could tell what was promoted and what was valued and what was allowed by the very atmosphere of that home. Homes that, prov that promoted godly atmospheres were very, very easy to pray in and to touch the throne of God. But homes that promoted ungodly atmospheres lacked divine connection. The atmosphere of every believer's home should be a kingdom-first atmosphere. Matthew 6 and 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. In other words, if our homes revolved around the kingdom of God first, we seek him first before we move about our day. We seek him first before we make major decisions. The work of God comes first before our hobbies. We seek what is right and our lives and our homes reflect that then you're talking about a true seeking the kingdom of God first atmosphere. When you see children who are raised in this type of atmosphere, you will see children who will fulfill the fivefold ministry. You will find children that are raised to be teachers and pastors and evangelists and prophets and apostles. You are training up missionaries and church planters and prayer warriors and Sunday school teachers. Your home is your children's training ground. And if you will create the right atmosphere in your home, you will raise up children who are powerful in God. Let's talk about the power of identity. Raising biblically and spiritually literate children must be a family affair. It takes a family. Whether a child comes from a traditional family unit or a single family home, someone must take the journey with them. They cannot do it alone. A spiritual home becomes a family's identity. It is just simply who we are 
and it's what we do. Several years ago, one of our sons were involved in a conversation with several of his friends and a mother of one of his friends when the subject of spiritual things came up. Our son simply injected his thoughts on the spiritual matter, and the mom turned to him and said this, oh yeah, I forgot, your family does that prayer thing. We had a family identity. Their friends knew that when they came to our house, there were certain things that we did not do that they may have been allowed to do in their homes. And there were things that we did do in our home that might not have been done in their home. It is true that every child has their own identity. They have their own personality. They have their own sets of likes and dislikes. Their strengths and their weaknesses are individual. And all of these things are okay. That is the way that God created us. But a child is not mature enough to allow these things to rule them and to chart their course for the rest of their lives. They need an example before them and a godly parent instructing them in the way that they should go. This is why that it is so important to establish a family identity. I believe that this idea was the crux of what Joshua was saying when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. While there are a lot of loud influences in your child's life, you, the parent, are the loudest, most profound influence that they will ever have. Everything that a parent does has long-term effects on a child. The things that you promote will have a deep impact on them. The things that you celebrate will have an, an intense power in molding them. The gifts that you buy will speak of what you value for your children. The conversations that are regularly heard in your home will speak of the philosophies that you believe and that you deem as important. And those philosophies will be deeply ingrained in the structure of your child's life. They will become a part of your child's identity. While establishing a family's identity is important, it is also very important to keep a child's identity in mind. Every parent should be a student of their child. You should know your children, know their core personalities. Are they passive or are they aggressive? Are they kind and tender-hearted, or do they struggle getting along with others? 
Do they have a stubborn streak or are they easily swayed? Are they forthcoming or do they do things in secret? Watch for things to encourage and watch for things to discourage and to guard them against. Look for cues that identify their callings because you can find them at a very, very young age. From the time our son Gentry was very young, he was all or nothing. That was it, all or nothing for Gentry. He didn't just connect with one group of people, but he would connect with the most random people. He would talk with them, and then he would move on. It's no wonder that today he is a full-time evangelist and a tremendous harvester. That cue of his calling was present at a very young age. Pay attention to the spiritual sensitivities of your children. Are they moved in worship? Do they love to amen their pastor when he preaches the word? Are their hearts touched during prayer? Do they notice someone in a store that seems especially sad? Are they excited to invite their friends to church and to tell them about Jesus? And when you find a spiritual sensitivity, maximize on it. Zone in on it and encourage that in their lives. That is part of their identity, and it will show you the plan that God has for their lives. Ask God to reveal to you their true nature. I had a powerful God moment when my boys were very young. God showed me each of my son's names in a very particular way. When I began to research what it meant, I realized that God was revealing to me the true nature of my sons. He was showing me their strengths and their weaknesses. And from that, it helped me to know how to guide them. It helped me know how to guard them. And it helped me know how to pray for them. He was showing me their identities. When you take a child's identity and you couple it with a family identity, you have created an incubator that will cultivate spiritual children from a young age. It is simply who we are and it's what we do. It is our identity. Let's talk about the power of affirmation. Research shows that words of affirmation from a parent are vital in the mental and emotional health and development of a child. Words spoken over a child create a narrative by which a child forms a belief system about themselves and about the world around them. The Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. This is especially true when it comes to words spoken 
by a parent. As parents, we get so accustomed to giving words of corrections and words of warning and words of instruction. We often fail to realize that those words will often needed and necessary speak to a child that they aren't doing it right. Kids need to hear that they are doing it right, especially when it comes to spirituality. According to research, the ideal praise to criticism is one to five, meaning for every negative comment made or every correction given, you need to share five positives or five affirmations with your child. Words of affirmation are simply words that praise and encourage certain behaviors and practices. Words of affirmation say, I value you and I believe in you. When my boys were very young, my husband and I did our best to cultivate a sensitivity to the voice of God in their lives. There were many times that they would come to us and say, God just spoke to me, or I heard God say something. I can't tell you the number of times that our son Dylan would come to us and say, God said this, and it would come to pass. How damaging would it have been to them for us to say, no, you did it, or you're just being silly? How disheartening would it have been to them for us to say, oh, you did, and then turn around and wink at each other and giggle at their childlike faith. I want you to know that we did not always get it right, but we did make it a practice to give our sons our undivided attention when they said, God spoke to me. And after we heard them out, we would affirm the fact that they did, in fact, hear the voice of God. And today, all three of our sons are profoundly in tune with the voice of God in their lives. Never dismiss a child's spiritual sensitivity or spiritual development, no matter how childish or how silly it may seem to you. Affirm them every chance that you get. Affirm them in the big things and in the small things. It is important to understand that a child's relationship with God will not develop at the same rate as an adult's relationship with God. Their ability to grasp the hidden things of the word of God will not match that of a seasoned saint. Their study habits cannot rival the habits of their parents. They will sense the voice of God differently than you and I sense the voice of God. Their prayers will not sound like the same prayers of an adult because they don't have the same vocabulary capacity that we do. But that does not mean that they are praying wrong or that their prayers are ineffective. When our son Spencer was about 10 years old, his great-grandfather was critically ill. Spencer was concerned about him 
And he simply said, I want to pray for you, and Jesus is going to heal you. Spencer laid his hands on his great-grandfather and prayed a very simple childlike prayer. And I want you to know that within one hour, God had turned that critical situation around. You cannot convince me that a child's prayer is ineffective. God hears the prayers of a child. A child's worship may not look the same as ours. It may look like mere play, undignified and ridiculous to some. But to God, it is pure and it is honest and it is beautiful in his eyes. As a matter of fact, their praise is powerful. The praise of a child comes with the promise of power. Psalms 8 and 2, out of the mouth of babes, you have ordained praise. You have given their praise strength. It silences the enemies of God. At our church, not only do our young people gather in the front to worship, but our children also gather in the front. We keep them contained to the side, but they sing at the top of their lungs. They jump, they shout, they emulate to the best of their ability what they see on the platform. If they get out of line, I usually will step up and take them by the hand. I do not stop them. I don't make a harsh correction. In fact, I usually look down and smile at them and give them a big squeeze and say, let's praise crazy praise together. Then I show them how it's done by worshiping alongside them as an example. Kids are not going to get it right every time. But they can't, that cannot be our primary focus. Our focus needs to be celebrating what they are getting right. Affirm every step in the right direction. You can celebrate your children into ministry with words of affirmation. You can affirm every effort made and celebrate every landmark moment. Your words of affirmation will cause your child's relationship with God to grow and to blossom. Don't be in, uh, discouraged with setbacks and with mistakes. Even we have setbacks and mistakes. Don't give up when unexpected and unplanned things happen. Simply navigate the hurdles and then with the help of the Lord, get your children set back on course. There will come a day that your child will reach spiritual maturity. And oftentimes, their development will outpace that of their parents and their grandparents, and they will become more powerful in the spirit than what we as parents could have ever hoped to be. Truly, 
There is no greater joy than to know and to see my children walking in truth and operating under the anointing of God. And if you will affirm your children, one day you will see the fruit of your affirming words come to pass. They will be powerful men and women of God. Let's talk about the power of positioning. As parents, we want to provide the very best opportunities for our kids to succeed. Hundreds of thousands of dollars are spent yearly by parents wanting to send their children to charter schools that they believe will set them apart from everybody else and set them up for their futures. As parents who desire to raise biblically and spiritually literate children, it is our job to position them to fulfill the purpose of God in their lives. When I say positioning, I am not referring to holding a position with a title or putting your child in the limelight that says, look at me. But I am referring to positioning them through preparation with that when the time comes, God can fulfill his purpose and plan in their lives. All throughout the scripture, you will find examples of those who were positioned for greatness. Esther was positioned by her uncle in the king's palace to save God's people. Moses was positioned by his mother in a basket and placed in Pharaoh's house and kept on the backside of a desert to deliver God's people out of captivity. Samuel was positioned by his mother in the temple to be mentored by Eli, and eventually he served as prophet and priest and judge over Israel. Shem, him, and Japheth were positioned in an ark of safety by their father. Gentry, Spencer, and Dylan were unapologetically positioned by their parents to be used of God in powerful ways. My question to every parent tonight is what are you positioning your children for? Our boys were positioned alongside their father to be mentored in ministry. They attended every camp, every conference, and every rally that we could get them to. And when we couldn't get there, we would tune in to Because of the Time and to Landmark Conference. We would stand in line for hours to be some of the first in the doors to make sure that our boys were up close to the platform at NAYC, away from distraction. The voices of Lee Stone King, T.W. Barnes, Billy Cole, Jack Cunningham, and many more echoed throughout our home. When one of their heroes of faith were preaching anywhere within driving distance, we made sure that they got to that service. We did not want them to miss one opportunity to be positioned for what God had in store for them. It's what we valued. It's what we promoted. 
It's what we celebrated. And today we reap the benefits of all three of our sons walking in truth, serving in ministry, and seeking the kingdom of God first. I want to give a warning to every parent. The rod of correction should never include exclusion from anything spiritual, including spiritual friends. Ground them from media if you need to. Ground them from video games, from their bicycles, from basketball. Ground them from football or baseball or any extracurricular activities. But do not ever ground them from church. Do not ever ground them from youth events. Do not ever ground them from godly influences. Because I'm here to tell you that you will reap the consequences that you do not want to pay. Proverbs 2 and 6 says that we are to train up a child in the way he should go. We do ministry together. This is how my husband and I interpreted this scripture and tried our very best to apply it to our family. When a child said at the age of 10, I want to start a nursing home ministry, we drive him to nursing homes until we find one that will allow him to hold a service and we as a family begin a nursing home ministry. When a child comes and says, I want to learn to play the piano, we sit him at the piano and praise every wrong note until it is finally played flawlessly. When a child says, I want to start a Bible study group in school, we say, what can we as a family do to help? When a child says, I've been asked to go overseas for a crusade, we bake and sell homemade pies, and we go in debt if we have to in order to send him. When a child says, I've been asked to preach a special service, we move heaven and earth to make sure to rearrange our calendars so that we can be his strongest amen corner. When a child says, I feel led to start a church, we as a family start a church. When a child says, God just spoke to me, we stop everything that we are doing in that moment and we affirm the voice of God in his life. And when we, child and parent, don't know what is next or which way to go, we, child and parent, Pray until we, child and parent, find direction. We do ministry together. Never dismiss a child's kingdom desires, and they will grow up to be kingdom-minded adults that will accomplish more than what we ever dreamed possible. Not everyone will understand your decision to raise biblically and spiritually literate children. My husband and I endured a lot of criticism over the years, but we stayed the course, and now we reap the benefit. 
Some may find fault with you positioning your children for purpose. Not everyone will celebrate when God begins to elevate your children. There will be critical voices. Those voices may be in your church. They may be within your family. Or those voices may come from among your closest friends. But they don't know the, what God has spoken to you about your children. They don't see the vision that God has given to you for your children's future. They can't begin to comprehend the potential impact that your child can make for the kingdom of God. Don't let negative voices stop you from positioning your children to fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has for their lives. Most every mom and dad parent with a notion that they have 18 years with their children. And those 18 years seem like a very long time. 18 years is 6,570 24-hour days. It's 157,680 hours with your kids. But you don't really have 18 years. You actually have way less time than that. If a child averages eight hours of sleep every night, if they attend 180 eight-hour days of school for 13 years, if they spend one hour every morning getting ready and traveling to and from school, if they spend approximately six hours doing homework, playing, talking with their friends, participating in activities, eating dinner, doing chores, getting baths, preparing for the next day, you are left with 43,740 hours. That's 1,823 days. That is the equivalent of four years and 10 months that your children are actually in your care and under your roof and directly impacted by your influence. Do you want to know what that breaks down to on a daily, basement, or daily basis? You have approximately five hours a day to be intentional with your children. You have five hours a day to create an atmosphere. You have five hours a day to affirm their identity in Christ. Five hours a day to position them to fulfill the plan and the purpose God has for their lives. This is the fifth power. What will you do to multiply the potential that is within your children? It's time for someone to be intentional. It's time for someone to set the atmosphere. It's time for someone to affirm their child's identity. And it's time for someone to position your children to see the fulfillment of the promises of God in their lives. <laughs> 
I want you to contemplate tonight. What if your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God are the children that you are raising right now? What if your greatest contribution is not something that you actually do yourself, but it is the children that you are raising? How would you aim your children, almighty man? How would you spend that time? I believe tonight that God is speaking directly to someone regarding your children. To whom much is given, much is required. And God has entrusted you with your children he has not just entrusted you to birth them and to feed them and to house them and to take care of them, but he has entrusted you to raise them up to become men and women of God. You may look at your child today and think, they are so young, I have plenty of time. But I am telling you that if you don't start now being intentional, you will lose very, very uh, critical moments in your kid's life. He will not give you something that he cannot trust you with. But I believe that he is giving a word to somebody today that he is wanting to trust you with. A word regarding your child's future. A word regarding your child's calling. Maybe he has given you a picture in your mind of what your child is going to grow up to be. That is not just your imagination. That is God speaking to you. That is God revealing to you what his plan is. That is God saying to you, I'm going to show you this because I'm going to trust you to make sure that you point your kids in the right direction to make sure that my plan and my purpose comes to pass in their lives. I can show you how. I can teach you by my mistakes. I can cheerlead you on. I can beg you. I can do everything but take your kids into my own home and raise them to the best of my ability. But that is not God's plan. God entrusted your kids to you. What are you going to do to aim your children? Stand all over this place. I go into that Sunday school room every Sunday night and I lead kids' prayer with your kids and your grandkids. And some people would walk in and think, well, this is out of control and these kids are just playing and they don't know really what they're doing. And all she's doing is trying to babysit them while we have prayer here in the sanctuary. But I want you to know that is the furthest thing from the truth. Because when I walk in that room and I look at the faces of those kids, I wonder who's the next worship leader. 
And who's the next Sunday school teacher? And is there a missionary? And is there a church planter? What does God have in store? We have valuable, valuable possessions in our hands. And it's our children. And it's our young people. And every one of us in this church need to be committed to those kids. And committed to doing whatever that it takes to see them reach their full potential in God. If I've talked to you at all tonight, if God is dealing with your heart about your children or your grandchildren, I wish that you would make your way forward, that you would come to the front, not just as, well, she's asked me to do this, but I wish that you would respond to the voice of God. I wish that you would come and lift your hands as a sign of surrender, saying, God, what you have shown me and what you have spoken to me, I'm going to take it to heart. I'm going to do everything within my power to see to it that my children become biblically and spiritually literate and one day become great men and women of God. Young people, I want you to come forward. I want you to commit that whatever that God has for you, that you're willing to do it. Regardless of what your friends do, regardless of what is popular at your school, you're committed, you are chosen, you are called to do a work for the Lord. With all the nothing, with all. 